Going through a divorce is daunting and can make you feel financially vulnerable. Ampla Finance can help. Unlike other loans, there's no need for any ongoing monthly repayments. You're only charged loan interest on the amount of money used to pay your solicitor's fees as your case progresses, and the easy-to-use online tool keeps you in full control throughout the process. Your loan is normally repaid in full when you reach settlement, so between now and then, you have peace of mind that the cost of your divorce won't impact your day-to-day -day needs. Ampla Finance puts you at the heart of everything they do and can help you to make the fresh start you're looking for. To find out more, click the link in the podcast description or visit www.amplifinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Smart Divorce Podcast. This podcast is for you if you're thinking of separating, already separated or going through divorce. My name is Tamsin Kane and I'm a Chartered Financial Planner. We'll speak to some fantastic specialists who can help you to get through your divorce, hopefully amicably, and start your new chapter positively. Now over to today's guest. Hi, and welcome to today's Smart Divorce podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Maura McKibben. Hi, Maura. Hello, Tamsin. Do you want to start off by just telling us a little bit about you and your work background? Yeah, so I am and have been for a very long time a solicitor um, helping clients who are going through family separation. I spent a long time in my earlier career going in and out of court with families and I reached a sort of professional conclusion about 12 years ago that um, I wanted to try and help families to stay out of court because I didn't feel that court uh, was a a good place for families to find themselves and particularly parents. So my practice then morphed into its current form, which is really dedicated to helping separated parties, parents, mostly parents, but not always, to sit around tables with lots of support and to problem solve their way through to reach agreement about parenting planning and about their financial separation usually. Excellent. And we're going to talk a bit today about the mediation process and introduce people who haven't been through it yet to understand what mediation is and how it works. So do you want to start off by explaining how mediation might work if it was your first choice of ways of, of a method of going through divorce? Yeah, certainly. I think um, where, where separated parties are um, clear that their path forward is um, not together. They obviously have a lot of conversations that they need to have to reorganize life. So um, if they felt, um, both of them, that sitting around a table and finding their way to an agreement was what they wanted to do, either as parents or around finances, then they would meet with a mediator um, they wouldn't have to have a solicitor when they started their mediation process, but they would later on um, be advised and it would be recommended that they have at least some legal advice to help them to mediate. Um, but they could come into mediation with a mediator. Firstly, they would have a short separate and confidential pre-mediation meeting really for them to get to know the mediator and for the mediator to get to understand 
the things that feel a worry, a priority, to help them to have a better grasp of what mediation is and what mediation isn't, and to help them really assess in a bit more of a, um, a detailed way whether a mediation process is a good fit for them. And provided that they both felt that mediation would be a good way forward, then they would move from there into a formal mediation process, um, sign up to an agreement to mediate, and the rest of their sessions would be take place jointly with the mediator. And the, media, the first meeting would really be largely about trying to understand what each party wanted to focus on in mediation and then really making a detailed plan about what, what they would need to go away and gather together, if looking at finances or doing some reading and getting more information about separated parenting. So they would move into planning and um, think about how they could organize their mediation process going forward and start to have their conversations. And along the way, they would need access to independent financial advice, some independent legal advice. They'd need some independent mortgage advice probably. Um, there might be other people, pensions advisors, all sorts of people that might help along the way around either parenting planning or financial separation. Okay. And what tends to make people suitable candidates for mediating as opposed to going down a traditional route? I think for parents where they want to preserve a good and positive parental relationship, and that's a common goal, that would that would help them to reach out and find a mediation process um, staying in charge of an outcome. So not having the uncertainty that's created by the court um, people wanting to save money and uh, keep money within their family pot and not lose, um, not lose charge or lose control of how much is being spent. Um, where people are looking to sort out their financial separation, they would need to have a good enough level of financial trust in each other. So that doesn't mean at all that they need to see the outcome as being the same, but it would be important that they felt that they could trust each other to produce full and full and transparent financial information in order to then begin their conversations and their problem solving. And that can be something that uh, bars people out of mediation if one or other felt that that couldn't be achieved in a mediation process. Um, and they obviously need to feel safe and comfortable to sit in the room together. Um, and people can feel very apprehensive about that sometimes. Sometimes that's a very understandable and usual level of apprehension that comes with starting a new process about very sensitive matters and important matters. For some people, those anxieties are overwhelming and mean that they wouldn't feel okay to sit in a room together. So obviously the mediator needs to explore um, the emotional trust between two people who've separated and also the financial trust between two people who are separated. And those would be key things to talk about early on when the mediator is having the separate meetings with each of the, each of the parents or each of the parties. Okay. And do mediators all work in a similar way? Uh, I think mediators broadly follow similar a similar process line. So it would be very usual 
for um, a separate pre-mediation meeting to happen. Um, there are a few mediators that might see people together if they felt comfortable to do that from the beginning, but I think that wouldn't be the norm. And um, within a financial process, there are certain key steps to follow and most mediators would follow those key steps. I think, however, that mediators bring to the mediation process um, their personality and their way of working and supporting clients. And different mediators will work in slightly different ways. Um, and I think that obviously one of the really key things for people who are trying to assess whether they want to work in mediation is also to assess whether the person, the mediator in front of them, feels like a good fit for them um, and uh, be allowed time to really assess that. So that's another, I think, important strand of that initial pre-mediation meeting as a, as a client, you're sitting in a room with someone and you're able to really ask lots of questions and really get a feel for their personal approach. So their personal approach will be a key factor in how they mediate, I think. Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds sensible. How, how should a couple best prepare um, both practically and emotionally to, to sit in front of a mediator, whether it's on their own for their first separate meetings or whether it's together for the first joint meeting um emotionally i think that um probably people don't need to do anything specific emotionally before they have that first separate meeting with the mediator because part of that mediation meeting pre-mediation meeting is to really understand how and where people are up to um, emotionally and how they're feeling so if as a mediator you have a sense that the person in front of you is really struggling emotionally it might be a very fresh separation or they might be really stuck somewhere in that emotional recovery journey and if your sense is that um, they really do need an extra layer of support in order to be able to sit together and problem solve or feel strong enough or brave enough to mediate then you can lock that expertise on. You can talk to the person about who supports them. You can explore the possibility of mediation coaching or some counselling support. Uh, even you know before, sometimes for people, mediation is the right process, but it's not the right time. And they need to have some um, dedicated emotional support in order to be in a good enough place to be able to engage with mediation. So... From an emotional point of view, I think that's something that can be assessed early on with the mediator. And the mediator can help to, to lock on that expertise and support. Um, sometimes people need that extra emotional support in the room when mediation is happening, and that's also an option. Um, on the financial side, again, I don't think before you connect with a mediator, you need to have necessarily done any preparation work. But... Again, it's something the mediator would talk to people about in that first meeting. And it might be that um, the person to help to um, try and enhance understanding and get information about finances is an independent financial advisor. So sometimes instead of kickstarting the process and the joint work with the mediator, um, people might work at that point with a financial advisor to help them to gather together the information and importantly, understand the information. So it's very often the case that one person's got more financial knowledge and sometimes more financial power than the other person. And that can really feel quite unnerving and worrying. So 
some people, if they haven't had a lot of experience of the financial side of their relationship, they're on a very steep learning curve and their confidence levels in the finances are very low and that can get in the way of good progress. So getting the mediating, you know, understanding what the issues are as the mediator and making sure that you're not just rolling out the same process come what may, but you're thinking about the real needs of the couple in front of you, the separated couple. And I've just seen someone today actually who's going to do exactly that. She's very low in confidence and she really, really needs to understand what financial picture looks like and what it all means. It, it's not that she doesn't um, trust her separated partner, but she really needs confidence boost to enable to enable her to engage. So, you know, I think financially there are things that can be done to help people to prepare. If people are more financially competent, they might go away and start gathering together a lot of information and then bring that into the first meeting. So that can be done ahead to try and save money and time. Um, for others, it really is that they do need some additional support in order to do that exercise, or one of them may do. So you've got to be alive to all of these issues early on, and it's part of your planning with the clients to work out what, what do each of them need, because they'll be different in those needs, and emotionally and financially, what support do you need to put in place, and how's that going to help? Okay. Is it always that people come to you with either financial um issues that need resolving or parenting issues that need resolving do do many people come with both of those things needing resolving um for lots of people they need to resolve both of those aspects uh sometimes they can sort out their parenting planning on their own and they're looking for help with finance um often they need both but the parenting aspects can be much lighter touch so for a mediator, you might, because you're not teaching people to parent, of course, you're just highlighting um, really information and resources that are going to be helpful for enhancing understanding about separation parenting. So you might be helping with both, but your financial support as a mediator might be much more detailed, whereas the parenting aspects might be about, might be quite light touch, might be about giving resources, information, support, and then parents go off and talk themselves and reach agreements themselves and many can do that there are others who who sadly have experienced such um a trauma to their personal relationship as part of separation that they find themselves really unable to talk as parents as well and their parental trust levels are very low and for those people they would need to bring that aspect into um into the mediation process as well. There are a number of people who might be going through a court process about finance, and that might be the right forum for them, but they might, they if they're parents, they probably still need some support and help at some level with parenting planning. And so they could bring that into mediation, even though the finances were being dealt with through a court process or some other forum. So it's really a mix and match, and it's all about it's very it's very led by the separating parties and it's all about what their needs are and then trying to deliver a process that can cater for or help them to tackle those it's complicated isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i know that there's a requirement for couples who go to court to see a mediator before they get to court is that right that's right. Um, that's known as a mediation information and assessment meeting, a MIAM. Um, that is not mediation. That is an information meeting about options. 
and it's court required. You're absolutely right. Um, and the court have put those meetings in place because they were worried that people were going into court or a court process too quickly um, or too easily. And sometimes without being aware that they could problem solve around a table or they could um, use an arbitration process instead of a court process. So it's about enhancing understanding of different options and allowing the person that's doing the MIAM and taking that meeting to make a decision about whether court still feels like an option or whether any of those options could be an alternative way to be helped. Um, so they are, they're not, they're not, uh, mediation meetings there I would I would class those as really information meetings about options so I think the title to them uh, or for them is slightly misleading to be honest just a bit isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> I always thought it was part of the a kind of potential for a mediation process to help people avoid court but it sounds like that's not the case well, it still gives them the option. It is about, you know, it can be a meeting that that develops into an exploration of mediation, um, like a pre-mediation meeting. Um, but for other people, it really is about talking through the different options and explaining to people that they can tap into those options at any point in time, either before court proceedings are issued or indeed after court proceedings are issued. So it's all about getting information to people, which is absolutely key so that people can make informed choices about how they sort out what they need to sort out. Yeah, there are so many options available to people. It must be really difficult to know where to turn and which one to, to start with. If you were putting yourself in the position where you were you were heading towards this, where would you begin starting to get information if, if you were right at the beginning of the process and go, going through separation? I think, to be honest, I probably would head towards a mediator um, because a mediator is always going to be an even-handed person who doesn't take sides and doesn't judge. And... Um, the mediator can very easily in that role deliver different information about options to one person or sometimes to both people together. So they hear the same information at the same time. And then I think people feel more empowered and less scared um, to have that information available to them. That's not necessarily how it usually happens. I wish it were like that, to be honest, because I think that would be the best way for people to access information in that even-handed way. Um, I think traditionally people are more inclined to jump straight into legal advice um, separately. And um, it's it's not, I'm not at all suggesting legal advice isn't important. It is really important to help people to mediate well. Um, but I think that if you go separately to get advice at a time when there's a lot of mistrust and a lot of worry, uh, that can end up feeling like a far more divisive route. Um, so I think get, get, gaining information about options early and together is probably uh, would be my preferred route for people. Um, and then they make their decisions from there, really. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds pretty sensible. Is there anything that I should have asked you about mediation that we haven't covered? <laughs> I think it would be it would be relevant just to pause and, and inject a little bit of information about the different people that help as part of a mediation process, because um, 
if you think about a financial separation process, gathering together and understanding financial information is key. And that ha- that's the first step. And um, financial advisors are obviously really well placed to be able to help people to, to do that. Um, and so you're balancing knowledge. And um, that's important as people start a problem solving process. And then beyond that, of course, what you're actually doing is reorganizing your family financial life, um, which is a significant uh, step financially. And there can be incredibly complex considerations about pensions, about investments, about timing, um, that really fall fairly and squarely into the role um, of expertise that the financial advisor has. So what I say to people in mediation is, you know, it's, it, it is, it's about teamwork and it's about getting the right people to help clients at the right time as they move through their separation, formal separation journey. Um, so I think it's about encouraging, encouraging mediating parties to understand um, that what they're doing is a very careful and very important you know, exercise that will have long-standing implications. Um, and, and, and with that encouragement, you know, this, the, the idea that actually it's not something to be rushed at, there's always a balance between uh, getting to the right outcome that everybody understands and approves of, um, and that, that takes time. Um, and I think there can be a tendency to, because of emotion, to be in a big rush to get things resolved and draw a line under things, which is very understandable, but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily sit very well with that careful financial reorganization that needs to take place. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you there. It's some of the complications around what appears to be a fairly straightforward split can make can make all that really really complicated yeah that's fantastic thank you so much for joining me this afternoon Maura it's been really good talking to you it's a pleasure Tamsin thank you thank you for listening to the smart divorce podcast if you'd like details of our guest today or of myself so you can get in touch please check out the program notes many thanks see you again soon